Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. The Birth Story Love Letter is a unique offering that captures your personal experience. This offering is a keepsake or memento of sorts, a treasured capture of your sacred life memory, a love letter to yourself, your children born or unborn, your family and friends, community and ancestors. This offering includes recording space to share your story, edited audio of your birth story, and transcription of your birth story in both a digital and custom-created hard copy. This is our oral history gift, a story that should be honored by being heard, shared, and remembered. Stories shared in this manner are for the storyteller's personal use. They will not be shared via the BSIC podcast. Head to the Birth Stories in Color website to begin your love letter. Today's episode features Charlene McCraney, who we first connected with when she was sharing her birth story on social media and shared that BSIC had been one of her resources in preparing for her birth. Her story includes an induction due to the risk of preeclampsia and after 20 hours of later meeting her daughter, Emily. Hello, Charlene. Welcome to the show. Hi, you guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> Hi, Charlene. So excited. Hello. I'm happy to have you. Yeah. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes, yeah, sure. So um, as the intro said, I'm Charlene McCraney, wife, new mom, sister. Um, I'm actually the youngest um, of all of my siblings. I have four sisters, um, two on my mom's side, two on my dad's side. And I am the last sibling to have a child. So <laughs> um, it's been a long time coming. I've been an aunt since I was 10. And I'm 35 now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, my husband and I have been married for two and a half years, been together for 10. Um, our beautiful baby girl, Emily, she's now two and a half months. And she's just the biggest little bundle of joy. Um, she's such a happy baby. And literally, like, her smile can light up a room. Her favorite place to be, as you can see, is right here on Mama. <laughs> uh laying down um emily is also the youngest grandchild as i said i'm the last one to have a child um on my side of the family so she has like a gazillion cousins but interestingly enough on my husband's side she is the only grandchild because she because he is the only child so my mother-in-law is like having the time of her life the first grandchild whereas my mom like she's been at this for 25 years so she's like where that baby at? <laughs> like she's still excited, but it's like two levels of grandma going on <laughs> on both sides. So um, yeah, that's just a little bit about us. Um, trying to think what else. As far as like, um, you know, us trying, we didn't really try for a long time. I would say we knew we wanted to be married for like a little while. So we were married for like a good solid two years, and then we were like, you know, I guess we should start trying yeah so so that's that love it yes shout out to all the aunties who make families worlds go around because and that's for the forever aunties who choose to never give birth you know and those who do eventually and you've seen it all and done it all before you even had your own child (laughs) I think that's what took me so long to actually have a child because I was you know, babysitting from very early age 10. I was like, this is not all it's cracked up to be. Like, I'm okay. This is a lot of responsibility. Like, let me take my time. 
And my dad, before he passed away, God rest his soul, he passed away in 2017. He was like, do you want kids? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just taking my time. Like, don't worry. So, yeah. Right. Gives you a whole nother perspective. You're like, oh, okay. This is what it looked like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what was um, your pregnancy like? Yeah. So I really consider myself as having a very uneventful pregnancy, which is good, right? Like literally every appointment, things were fine, no cause for concern, which is why at the end when I was diagnosed with high blood pressure and induced, you know, for possible preeclampsia, I was so thrown off because in my mind, everything had been going so perfectly. Like baby was growing on track, healthy, no gestational diabetes, no, um, HG, no hypernemesis, I think that's how you say it. Um, just regular annoying pregnancy symptoms, right? So, you know, nausea, morning sickness in the first trimester, um, a little bit more energy in the second trimester. And then by the third trimester, it's like, get this baby out of me. Like, I'm just ready to be done. Um, a few other annoying symptoms I had were the excessive saliva and the spitting, you know, uh, hated that. Um, I also had carpal tunnel really bad in my hand, which still kind of acts up a little bit. But overall, I didn't have any major medical issues during my pregnancy. And I'm so happy um, about that. But um, I'm also very happy to not be pregnant anymore. (laughs) Like I tell people this all the time. um, I really missed having my body to myself. (laughs) Like I dislike not being able to eat certain things only been able to take a few bites and I was full. Like, I know there's some people that just like love being pregnant. They're like, oh, I can be pregnant all the time. Sis, I'm not one of them. <laughs> I was like, I am so happy to have my body back to, to myself. But um, my pregnancy was, I would say overall, it was really, really good. I'm, I'm very blessed to not have had any issues. I was just you read about all these things. And so the first trimester, I was like, oh, I can't eat this. I don't want diabetes. I can't do this. I don't want this. And my husband, he's like, you're so stressed about everything. It's like I was constantly waiting for the other ball to drop, like something's going to happen. But um, but it was good. It was good. So I know you said that you guys didn't try for a while to actually like conception wasn't an issue for you. But how did you actually go about preparing for your birth? Yeah, OMG. So I read, watched, listened to anything I can get my hands on. Um, So going into the pregnancy, I was literally terrified of giving birth. Like so much of what you see in the media, on TV, just the stories about the Black birthing experience. Like it's just, it's so horrifying. I say it's literally the worst movie trailer ever if people are trying to sell this experience (laughs) to women. So I was just scared out of my mind. Like I was scared of the pain of the experience overall. But the more I educated myself about pregnancy, about the science and how my body was made to do this, like those walls just start coming down, like just layers of fear start to be peeled back, like one by one by one. Um, I hired a doula. Um, She gave me and my husband a, a childbirth education class, like virtually. I went to another um, in-person pregnancy class. And so I went into my pregnancy saying, oh, I definitely want an epidural. Like, I'm not going to be able to take it. And then, you know, I don't want to feel anything. But then when I started to learn more about the science, how the hormones work together, 
the cadence, um, you know, when birthing naturally, how your body responds. I was like, wow, like, this actually sounds pretty cool. Like, my body is amazing. Like, it already knows what to do. So why am I worried about it? I was like, you know, I can do this. So it was from there after I became really educated about the science and everything. I was like, okay, I want to do this naturally. I want to birth naturally. So from there, I was all in with natural childbirth, like anything I could get my hands on, research and educate and educate myself. Um, I read Super Natural Childbirth, which really changed the game for me. Well, I listened to it. I don't know if you guys are one of those people, like if you listen to something, you like, I read it. That's how I am. <laughs> so so um, I listened on Audible Super Natural Childbirth and it really changed the game for me and it just shifted my mindset and took it to a whole other level. So after reading that book, I felt unstoppable. And I was like, I recommend this to any expecting mom. So then after that, I started to follow tons of natural childbirth Instagram accounts. Um, I listened to birth stories and podcasts like this one. It's funny because I was listening to this one podcast um, that I saw like being recommended. And, you know, no shade. I was like, I want a Black podcast. <laughs> I was like, I want to hear from Black moms. Like, these stories are cool. Like, I'm learning a lot, but I want to hear about how these Black moms are having their experience. So I literally just went into the iTunes store and I said, like, Black birth stories or something like that. And you guys popped up. And I was like, bam, this, this, is, this is what I need. I found, I found my tribe. So um, <laughs> also, I just started to guard myself from any negative childbirth stories like any reports any videos any news like it was so vital that I kept myself in a positive mindset because we all know about the, the statistics of black women and childbirth and I was like you know what I'm good on that I don't need to hear it over and over again I know the statistic like the back of my hand now because you guys keep talking about it every damn day <laughs> um so I just guarded myself from that and then my favorite resource and the one that probably prepared me the most was um, Pain-Free Childbirth with Karen something. I forget her last name. Um, I first found her on another girl's um, Instagram page. She was posting um, her vlog about her natural pain-free water birth experience. And anything that was like pain-free, I was like, sign me up. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Like, tell me more, right? And that was even what happened with the supernatural childbirth. This girl, she was like... I had a supernatural birth. It was pain-free. I read this book and I was like, what are they smoking on? Like, give me some of that. Like, I need to know, you know, give me the tea. Um, but no, I found pain-free childbirth on Instagram. Um, I started to follow their account and they also offered an online course. So I purchased the course. It was so amazing. Um, it just taught me so much about just listening to my body, how to breathe, how to advocate for myself in the hospital, what's normal, what's not normal. And I always say if it wasn't for my doula in that course, I don't think my birthing experience would have been as positive as it was, especially since I was induced. Education. Re mm -hmm. Like just really resetting, like you said, like the images, the the, what we are constantly hearing about, about our experiences, even before we decide to expand our families, like it's just, it's in our ear all the time. 
And so when you finally are in a space where you want to, like it does, you're like, wow, I'm afraid of this process. Um, but being able to do that research and reframe what what you what your brain knows to be true to reframe it of like, oh, I do have the tools within myself to do this the way I want to. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. It just was... go ahead. No, I'm just saying like the education is just it's so important because you think you know, but you like literally have no idea as <laughs> the first time I'm like, it's nothing like you see on TV. <laughs> I think that it's also important to note where you're getting your education from, right? Because someone say, oh, I talked to my cousin and she said this, this and this. And I felt like I knew everything to expect, not to say that your cousin doesn't know things, right? <laughs> but right. Yeah. it could be someone that had a completely different birth experience than what you're wanting, right? No, um, or even so expectations. Yeah. And so getting different resources and making them all come together. So it did feel like your truth, right? You reached out for this listening, this book, this thing, and then it's like, okay, these all connect and these all align with what I want to happen in my pregnancy and during my labor. And yeah. so that helped you feel educated as well. Like not just getting, because there's a ton of resources about pregnancy, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And I always encourage people, like, like I said, I have all sisters, everyone has babies, but I, I still reached out for additional resources. Like I was talking about a doula. My sister was like, what's that? You know, I was talking about a public floor therapist. She was like, what is that for? And I'm like, okay, so clearly we have two different, you know, experiences and you know, if you if you don't know, you just don't know. So it's really important, like take some nuggets from, you know, your family, but also seek like professionals as well. I love how you said that, Danny. Make it a line and it feels like your truth, right? <laughs> it really taps into what what you want your experience to be. Well, tell us about your birth. Start us from the beginning. Yeah, so it didn't go as planned for one. <laughs> Well, let me take that back. I was able to have a natural birth with no meds and no C-section. So those are my top priorities. Um, I always tell moms now to have a list of birth preferences versus a birthing plan. So you won't be disappointed when things go left. For example, um, I was laboring naturally. So I really wanted to have a birthing tub. But my hospital um, that I gave birth at, they only had one. It was first come, first serve. So um, as long as I could get in the shower and use hydrotherapy, like I was still fine. I was still pissed. I didn't have the tub, but I could still use the shower. Um, overall, my birthing experience really showed me that I'm way stronger than I ever considered myself to be, right? I used to always say, oh, I have a low tolerance for pain, but there's no way I can say that now <laughs> after contracting for almost 24 hours. So um, Thursday, June 17th, Emily was born on the 19th Thursday. It was any other regular day. I was 39 and three. I went in for my routine OBGYN appointment at 3.30 p.m. I was like, okay, let's see what's going on this week. Um, I refused a cervical check the week before, um, which is a whole nother story because I felt like my OBGYN kind of got an attitude and I was pissed because I was like, girl, back up. If I don't want to check. I don't want to check. But um, <laughs> I had refused the cervical check the week before, but this week I was curious because I was having a few um, like promodural fake contractions that were occurring. So I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, how far along I am. So like I said, up until this point, my blood pressure was 
perfect, you guys. Like every single appointment, they were like, oh, you're great. Baby is going good. You're so uneventful. This is what we want. And then during this appointment, it was elevated. So my, my OB, she was like, oh, let me take it again. At the end of the appointment, take it again. It's still elevated. She was like, oh, okay, well, you know, let's just uh, take you up to L&D and monitor you for two to three hours to see if it goes down. Um, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so my blood pressure just continued to be elevated. Like it did not go down. Sometimes it increased to like the 140s, the 150s, and like I even had like a 160 over 80 reading. Um, and I was just like, in my head, I'm like, it's hot outside. Like I've been walking, like I'm fine. Like it's going to go down. Like, why are you guys tripping? Like, I didn't understand the severity of it. And then they asked me, had I seen any sparkles that day? And if I had like a headache, cause both are the signs of possible preeclampsia. And I was like, I have seen sparkles. So then I was like, okay, this is serious, <laughs> you know? Um, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't know it was a sign. I'm just like, what, what the hell are these sparkles I'm seeing? I had seen them a couple of days before as well. So the dreaded conversation of induction began. And I'm not going to lie. I was sad. I cried. I cried and cried and cried. I was so disappointed. It was not part of my birth plan. I'm like, I want to go into labor on my own because I know it's going to just be a better experience. My baby will come when she comes. My body knows what it's doing. Like, this was not part of my plan. I fought tooth and nails for my OBGYN. I stalled for as long as I could, hoping my pressure would go down. So, like, my appointment was at 3.30. They monitored me for another two to three hours. And, like, by 7.38, I'm like, give me more time. Give me more time. Um, but it just, it wouldn't go down. <laughs> so, um Due to the risk of preeclampsia, she explained, you know, it will be best for me to induce. So one of the things I learned um, in that pain-free birth class, or it, no, I learned it somewhere else. It wasn't just in that class, was to use the BRAIN um, acronym, where you weigh the benefits, the risks, the alternatives, and you th think about your intuition. And so, and then you think about what would you do if you did nothing. So yeah, BRAIN, B-R-A-I-N, right. And so it was the intuition that really helped me make my decision. Like, I truly believe my OBGYN, she was a Black woman as well. I truly believe she would not put me in harm's way, right? Um, and I specifically mentioned that because of everything we know about the mortality rates for African-American women and how it's outweighing, you know, other races. And I didn't want to be another tragic story. So... At 8.30 p.m., I was getting induced with Cervidil. I was crying. I was devastated. I was like, you know what? It is what it is. Um, at this point, you guys, my cervix is completely closed. <laughs> like, not even the slightest dilation or effacement, right? Um, I was sad about the induction, but my doula, she let me know that I could still achieve a natural childbirth with induction, which made me feel better. Because in my head, I'm like, I'm getting induced. I'm going to stall. They're going to cut me open. Like, I just start thinking of all the worst things, like the cascading of events, you know, when you get medical um, intervention. So I got induced at 830. Uh, about six hours later, the contraction started to get intense. And then my doula, she made her way to the hospital. Um, 12 hours after the Cervidil, I was only one centimeter dilated and 60% effaced. 
And so I was like, this isn't working. Take me home. I just let me labor at home. I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, this isn't working. They're going to give me something else. She was like, oh, well, if the Servaville doesn't work, we're going to give you Zytotech. And then if the Zytotech doesn't work, we're going to put a folly tube in you. And then if that doesn't work, we're going to, and I'm like, oh my God, this is not what I wanted. Like I'm freaking out. So next up, she gives me the Zytotech to further soften the cervix and to help me dilate it. Again, I'm sad because I'm like, please God, don't, don't let this thaw and bleed to a C-section, but thank God it doesn't. So I fully commit to the rest of my breast plan. I refuse the epidural. Um, I want to be mobile. So I say, I don't want an IV. Um, you can put a hep lock in me, but don't hook me up to an IV machine. Like I want to move around. Um, I want to labor in water, although I, I only had access to the shower. So my doula, she had me on the birthing ball. We're doing sideline stretches. I'm squatting in the shower with warm water on my back, like everything to get my baby to come down on her own because I didn't want to be in the hospital too long. And then they're like pushing for a C-section because I have a quote unquote stalled labor. So my husband was there too. And I grab onto him and I just soak up as much oxytocin as I can, like, and get him to do massages on my back. Like, again, we were not expecting to have a baby today. So he's working on his laptop in the hospital room. I'm like, get off the laptop and come hug me. I need your oxytocin. <laughs> I was like, I need this baby to come down. It's like, whatever you're doing, close the laptop. Give me all your oxytocin. So um, my doula, she actually left for a couple hours and she came back and, you know, I was further along. I was more dilated, more effaced. Around 8 p.m. Friday, uh, around 8 p.m., I lost my mucus plug. And then I felt all the pressure in my pelvis. So when she came back, she was like, I don't know what you guys did, but it's working. Like, keep doing that. So mom, trust the oxytocin works with your partner. Like, just get all the love. Um, we were like slow dancing, just like all this stuff. Um, so 8 p.m. At this point, I'm six centimeters dilated, about 90% of face. And she's at station negative one. So we're close. And I can tell she's about to come out like any minute. So we get back in the shower. I'm in the shower for like another hour. Um, still pissed that I didn't have my labor tub though. <laughs> but I'm like, the shower will do. Um, so around 11 p.m., we do another check and the nurse can feel the baby's head. So she's like, okay, time to call the doctor. Um, so I labored on my hands and knees um, so I can focus on really breathing the baby down. This is something else I learned in my course, like, you don't need to quote unquote push because your body is going to push the baby out. So I was really, really focused on that. I'm like, I'm just going to breathe. I'm going to relax my body. And at this point, you guys, like the contractions have been coming every 10 minutes since like 8 a.m. So talking about con induced contractions <laughs> for almost 24 hours, like it was crazy. And I think back to myself, I mean, this is my first child, but I just tell myself, I think it would have been a little bit more bearable if I wasn't induced. Um, Cause I was, I was handling those induced contractions and they were intense, but I'm like, I really wonder what that experience would have been if I wasn't induced, but whatever. So um, I'm breathing my baby down. And at first the nurse tells me, she's like, oh, lay on your side. Cause it's going to lessen your chance of tearing. And in my head, I'm like, no, it's not, but okay, whatever. 
I'll do it your way. <laughs> I'm gonna lay on my side, you know, because like I've taken all these, you know, courses in these classes. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. And so um, I oblige and after 30 minutes, it's not working. I just saw her going out and then in and then out and then in. And so I say, this is not working. I'm getting back on my hands and knees. And they're like, okay, <laughs> okay. So I get back on my hands and knees. Um, and of course the doctors and the nurses, they keep saying, hold your breath, hold your breath, count to 10, bear down, bear down. And I'm like, no, shut up. Like, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> like in my head, I'm like respectfully blocking out that noise. And I'm just focused on relaxing every muscle in my body as the contractions come so I can breathe my baby down. Because the thing I learned in my class is like, when you hold your breath, that is tension. You're holding on to tension. And so they're just in my ear. She's like, you keep holding your breath. And I'm like, duh, trick. Like, <laughs> like she's like, um, no, she said, no, she said, you keep breathing. That's what she said. She's like, you keep breathing. I need you to hold your breath. And I'm like, duh, I'm, I'm birthing the baby. Yeah, I'm going to breathe. Like, you know, like, come on now. Um, she's like, I need you to bear down and push. And I'm just really, like, literally my doula is at the head of the bed because I'm on my hands and knees. The OB is behind me. She's saying one thing. My doula is like, you know what you're doing. Listen to your body. Breathe. Breathe. So like we're in the zone at the head of the bed. And back there, the nurses and the OBs are like, push, push, push. And I'm like, let, let, let me do what I'm going to do, <laughs> you know? Um, so then once I got back on my hands and knees, I would say it was about 15, 20 minutes later, she was born where I was on my side for like 30, 40 minutes. And I was like, I told y'all this wasn't working. Like I'm getting back on my hands and knees. Um, so at 1243, baby girl Emily made her way earthside. Um, and so I was just really happy that I was still able to have that natural childbirth, even with being induced. Um, my doula, she was like, I've never seen someone so calm <laughs> during a natural childbirth, like especially since I was induced and they were more intense. And she was like, it was just really, really magical to see. And I felt good about that because I was like, you know, it didn't go as planned, but it went how it was supposed to go, you know? So um, we did the skin to skin. It's so funny. We were doing the skin to skin. They're like, oh, she looks like, you know, she has low weight. Like, let's weigh her and let's do all this. And I was like, you don't need to do that right now. I was like, let her lay here for an hour, for the golden hour. You can do that in a minute, you know? And so we did the delay cord clamping and all that stuff, but they kept trying to like take her off me. And I was like, you're going to have to back up. <laughs> like, give me a minute, <laughs> you know? And that's something else. Like, I just really learned with all my education, my courses, my doula. It's like, you really have to advocate for yourself and understand that it's your body, your rules. And you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do, especially even like with the IV. They're like, oh, we have to put an IV in you. I was like, no, you don't. I was like, you can put a help lock in me, you know, but you don't have to put an IV. You think I want to walk around and labor this baby with these induced contractions with this IV pole connected to me? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but um, but yeah, so that was that was my birth story. We stayed in the hospital like another day and a half. Um, she latched pretty good for the first couple of days. Then we had some issues. That's a whole nother podcast for another day. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was pretty much my birth story. I know that was very long winded, but that was the story.
It's never long winded. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I love that you brought up the brain acronym because that's such a useful tool, um, to make sure that you're getting informed that it's, and then that your choices are through informed consent and that they're also your choices. Um, it's Mm -hmm. just a great way to make sure like when you're getting information during your birth, that it, it's all the information so that you can make the best decision that feels, feels good to you. But, um, just you being able to trust your intuition um, through all parts and even the parts, you know, where the care provider, your care providers were like trying to step in to get you to do something that they have seen as normal or that they deem makes the most sense when you're like, no, my body's telling me something different and that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely had a couple of tense moments, like going back and forth, like even after she was born, um, they wanted to um, give Pitocin to help the um, girl, my brain, to help the, what is it called? You, um, the placenta? Yes, you, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the placenta, they wanted to give me Pitocin to help the placenta come out. And my doula, she was like, I told her I didn't want Pitocin, you know? And my doula, she was like, oh, if you do skin to skin, you know, the natural oxytocin, like the placenta will come out. And my my OB, she was like, well, I didn't know that's what she wanted. She was like, I, I always do Pitocin. Like, it's mandatory. I wouldn't have agreed to that if she told me that because, you know, her, on her side, she's like, I'm not going to have someone hemorrhage on my table. So you're going to get this Pitocin. And so they're going back and forth. And I'm like, that's it. I was like, give me the Pitocin. Like, I haven't had it this whole time. It's going to be a low dose. Like, whatever. Give me the Pitocin, which was actually... Very interesting still, because the next day, you know, you bleed for a couple, you know, for a couple hours or whatever. But the next day I passed something that was larger than a blood clot. It was literally like still a piece of my placenta that was inside me because it was very thick. And I took a picture of it. And in my head, I'm like, well, what happened to the damn science in the placenta? I mean, in the Pitocin, you want to give me this Pitocin, you know, and now I still got a piece of my placenta inside of me, you know. So I took a picture and I called the doctor back in. I'm like, what is this? You know, like I was very grateful. I was still in the hospital and I passed it in the hospital because if I was at home, I would have like lost it. Like it was like it fit in the size of my palm. It was that big that I had passed. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, this is not a blood clot. So um, just still like I know the doctors know what they're doing, but I'm like the Pitocin was supposed to do what it was supposed to do. And it didn't. So, girl, <laughs> you know, um, anyway, so that was just another little tidbit. I was kind of annoyed by that. You shared a lot of valuable information for other people that are planning to birth, just like in terms of like the IV, um, really taking. I mean, I would add to that, just taking into account your like own hydration levels and you really mm-hmm. knowing yourself and those different things. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of scary with the placenta because somebody's supposed to examine it and I mean, <laughs> to they make were doing, sure all the pieces yeah, are there. They were doing the stomach, you know, compressions and like all that. I just don't think it all came out, you know? So I was like, eh, whatever. And like I said, too, I didn't have any major medical issues. So going back to your comment about the IV, you know, sometimes it's needed. You know, if you need it, don't, don't be like, oh, I don't want it. Like, girl, get it. <laughs> you know, your life is on the line. But I was literally, um, I didn't have any major medical issues except for the elevated blood pressure 
and my hydration level seemed to be fine. So, um, so we were good. So how was postpartum for you currently, immediately, all the things? Yeah, so um, postpartum is definitely a, a marathon and a journey because it looks different um, at every phase of postpartum, right? Um, somebody I also read that like postpartum is one of those things that just it just continues to evolve. So overall, it's been really great though. And in the beginning, I would say three, four weeks out, maybe two weeks out, I almost felt bad for saying it because I know so many women suffer or don't have the needed support during their postpartum period. But I had to remind myself that like it's okay that I'm okay, you know, <laughs> like. I don't need to hide that. More women need to see and to hear that postpartum isn't all bad. Because again, um, I was waiting for the other shoe to got dropped. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And I did not have that experience. Like the first few days, I was emotional. I probably was crying for a couple of times out of the blue, you know, but that lasted like no more than a few days. Um, and I think what really helped is, um, and what was really awesome is that we had a lot of help. Like my in-law stayed with us for a week after um, Emily was born to come help me and my husband get a, a, um, acclimated to things. So um, my mother-in-law, she was cleaning and cooking and meal prepping and freezing stuff for us to have later. She was doing the middle of the night wake-ups and diaper changes when baby was like all of that. Like it was literally the best thing ever for that week. And we were so sad when they left. <laughs> um, and I also did placenta encapsulation. So between that and just having support from my husband, my in-laws, my postpartum experience has been pretty good. And I'm like, I don't know if it's the combination of all those things, but I'll take it. You know, <laughs> it's been a it's been a pretty good experience. Um, now my breastfeeding journey <laughs> and my exclusively pumping journey that is a whole nother story. Like I said, in a whole nother podcast um, because it's hard and I'm I'm struggling. <laughs> well, I won't say I'm struggling, but it, it's definitely hard. You know. Um, I don't think anything could have prepared me for that. And we're coming up on, she's two and a half weeks, coming up on three months. So I'm going back to work next week. Um, we don't have a nanny yet. <laughs> My husband and I, we both work from home. So we're like, we're just going to thug it out for a little while to see, you know, what happens. Because, you know, one, nannies are expensive AF. That's just number one. Two, it's still a whole pandemic. And then you have to make sure you get a vaccinated nanny. And if you want to get them tested every week, you have to probably pay for their testing. And there's just so many things to think about. Um, but overall, postpartum has been great. We'll see what this next phase looks like when I start back work next week <laughs> to see how that, how that journey goes. You are allowed to have joy in your experiences. Oh, um, and I just think about, like you said, you said you were feeling guilty about being able to express that. And I think that goes back to, again, what we currently hear and know about the experiences are that they're supposed to be this daunting, horrible thing. So when we mm -hmm. are sitting in the joy of it, you're like, wait, is this, is this right? Does this make sense? Is yes. this what I was supposed to feel? And it's like, yes, that is, yes. you're supposed to have your village rally around you. You're supposed to be able um, to sit in the oxytocin of this is your baby. This is what you 
on your baby's earth side this is what you did um mm-hmm. so all of that yes and as for going yeah. back to work give yourself all the grace okay thank you I, will. <laughs> I really will there will be some tears there will be a lot of great moments there will be some like what the heck are we doing but it will it will all find its rhythm eventually yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yes. I'd also add, write lots of notes to yourself. Okay. (laughs) Just write everything down. (laughs) Oh, you mean so like I don't forget or just like positive affirmations or both? Both. Both and. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever affirmations you used preparing for birth, just keep using. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, oh, and that reminds me too. Another thing I used um, was the Christian hypnobirthing app. It was really, really good. I listened to that thing like almost every night. <laughs> it was really good. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners, whether it's re- more resources, because you have given a lot of great, valuable <laughs> things today, um, or anything else from your experience thus far? um that you want to leave them with yeah um take a child birth course just take the course especially as a first-time mom even if even if you're not a first-time mom and you never took a course before take it take one right um everything you think you know about pregnancy and childbirth trust me you don't (laughs) so take the course get educated Hire a doula if you can. Um, I know that there are some great resources out there that um, give grants and can sponsor you. Like if you can't afford a doula, um, I think I'm, I'm following this Instagram page called Maternal. And they do a couple of things where they offer resources for doulas. Like a doula, I, the best way I can explain it, because I'll be honest, first time mom, I was like, what's the difference between a doula and a midwife? Like I didn't understand. I say your doula is like your pregnancy best friend, you know, they're there to help you emotionally, physically, spiritually, you know, and the the midwife, of course, is the more um, the, the health professional who's actually going to deliver the baby. But if you can hire a doula, definitely you can, because, you know, those nights texting my doula in the middle of the night, hey, girl, what's this? I don't understand. What's this feeling? You can't do that with your OBGYN. Like, I'm not going to say she don't care, but you can't text her in the middle of the night. <laughs> So hire doula if you can. Um, you really need someone to help you advocate for yourself. Um, it's your body, your choice. Don't be bullied into anything that you don't want to do. Um, the other thing I would say is get you a tribe, girl. Get you a tribe, whether it's a Facebook group, um, another friend, people you follow on YouTube or social media, like just surround yourself um, with positive birth stories to help your mindset, because um, that's really important. I have a close friend. We were pregnant at the same time. We delivered like three days apart. So literally, she would text me like 3.30, and of course, I'm up, because I have insomnia. <laughs> so I'm like, she's like, you up? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so we're just like texting each other in the middle of the night. And even now still, because, you know, we're going through motherhood at the same time, she's texting me like, you up? Like, yeah, girl, I'm pumping. What you doing? <laughs> you know, like, you need that. You need your tribe. Um, the last thing I would say, and it's not about birth, it's actually about postpartum, ask for meal gift cards. 
ask for DoorDash um, gift cards, ask for anything, anything you do just to prep food to have on hand is so clutch. Um, I have friends just bail me money for food. I had a friend send me like a $50 DoorDash gift card and I thought I had won the freaking lottery. Like it felt so good to just get on that app, order some food and feed you and your husband, you know? Um, so ask for that. If you don't, if people don't know what to get you and all your registry stuff is gone, say, give me a DoorDash gift card. <laughs> ask for that. That's, that's my biggest piece of postpartum advice and try to get some sleep. All of that. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You hit it. <laughs> right. Oh, well, thank you so much. You and Emily for joining us this morning. Welcome. Um, we are she so grateful. So well. She, she was like, "Y'all talking well. about me? It's fine." <laughs> thank you guys so much. This was so fun. I'm just so glad you guys are doing this. Like, it is so needed in the space. Like, you guys are doing wonderful work, and thank just you. thank you for being you and giving me an opportunity to share. It was so fun. Yes, I can talk about this all day now. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Birth Story Love Letter is a unique offering that captures your personal experience. This offering is a keepsake or memento of sorts, a treasured capture of your sacred life memory, a love letter to yourself, your children born or unborn, your family and friends, community and ancestors. This offering includes recording space to share your story, edited audio of your birth story, and transcription of your birth story in both a digital and custom-created hard copy. This is our oral history gift, a story that should be honored by being heard, shared, and remembered. Stories shared in this manner are for the storyteller's personal use. They will not be shared via the BSIC podcast. Head to the Birth Stories in Color website to begin your love letter listening to birth stories in color to hear this show and other episodes head to birthstoriesincolor.com 